This podcast is for the strange and unusual. Welcome to Crackpot Cocktail Hour. Oh, come on, it's just a bunch of hocus pocus. Did you think your song and dance and your superstition would help you, Eli? We will win a great victory tomorrow. Bird signs. You want to plan a strategy based on bird signs. Good luck. You're gonna need it. Correction. It already came true. What's up, Doc? Sorry, Mac. Me luck's run out. And I gotta have a good luck charm. And you're it. Now, wait a minute, Doc. Let's not be hasty. Rabbit's feet ain't lucky. I want my son back. <laughs> you're not my son! I want my son back! Lucky, lucky charms. They're magically delicious. Holy shit. Buttholes. 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 We right. should release an album called Buttholes. Yeah. We'll just take traditional songs and just replace individual words with buttholes. That sounds reasonable. Baby, there are holes outside. Baby got buttholes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really hope baby got buttholes or that's going to be a really uncomfortable existence. Yeah, right? Baby going to have like a necessary like medical procedure if baby doesn't have buttholes. <laughs> least one uh i remember reading somewhere and this could be completely inaccurate but the first orifice of a human to develop inside the womb is the asshole mm. and then the rest of it and i told my dad that once and now his favorite snapback comment is you know the first thing to develop is your asshole and some people don't evolve beyond it oh i love that that's such a good dad thing to say yeah my dad's also very sassy as you know the many stories so what am i drinking you have yet to take your first sip, same as me, of the old-fashioned wives' tale. I love your wordplay. You're so good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Lee helped me get there. He came up with an idea that kind of was along the lines, and then I decided to go with old-fashioned and mm-hmm. just kind of pulled everything together. So uh, the old-fashioned wives' tale consists of two ounces apple calvados, three dashes Agnostura bitters, Angostura bitters, I always say it wrong. <laughs> three dashes Angostura bitters, three tablespoons of maple syrup. I used bourbon barrel aged maple syrup by Skinny Sticks because I'm addicted to it. Uh, and because the bourbon kind of is a nod to bourbon, which is usually the base of an old fashioned. You have a bit of an orange peel and a maraschino cherry. You mix the Calvados bitters and maple syrup in a glass. You squeeze the orange peel to release the oils and then you rub that along the inside of the glass and put it in the glass. You fill the glass with ice, and you garnish it with the orange peel and the cherry. All right, should we take a sip? Cheers. Oh, hello there. You did warn me before that this is going to be your more potent, or your most potent drink. I think possibly because it's almost entirely apple brandy. Okay, well, we'll see what happens. I may get messed up. So earlier today, I had a terrible headache, and I got here... After, you know, pretty much sleeping it off throughout the whole day, I have a feeling it's going to come back tonight. It's worth it. 
I'm sorry, you're welcome. <laughs> it's okay. You also gave me a serial killer shirt to make up with for it, so. Yeah, well, I, uh, I try to make up for the headaches I incur <laughs> upon you. <laughs> I remember one time, uh, you and I had a lot to drink, and I think it was actually one of our recordings, and I was sick the next day throwing up, and you're like, I'm so sorry. I was like, Lacey, you need to understand, I know what I'm hopping into. <laughs> I am willing to make this sacrifice. You have given your informed consent on this journey. Yes, yes. So I am preparing both my liver and my headaches. That's what I appreciate about you. Is that what you appreciate about me? <laughs> so diving in a little bit to uh, this cocktail, I'm calling it the old fashioned wives tale because after doing a little research, I learned that although the modern old fashioned is usually made with bourbon or rye, uh, both historically and in present day Wisconsin specifically, the old fashioned is made with brandy. Oh, I actually didn't know that because I always thought of it as, you know, like a bourbon drink, like a whiskey drink. Same. And uh, when I went to the Amigo the Devil concert where I got you your t-shirt on Tuesday. I uh, appreciate you for that. <laughs> they had uh, an old fashioned and I got a couple of those at the bar and was like, I've just been really enjoying these lately. It feels like a really like fall drink. All right. Uh, so the uh, introduction to this I have titled, What is Luck? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. This is why I love your episode so much. <laughs> I turn this first page of my notes and it's got the blood smear on the back of it. <laughs> oh yeah, Lacey also cut her finger right before we recorded this. I uh, So I did notice that there was a little red on my orange peel and I just assumed that was left over from the knife. Just mine, not yours. That's from the cherry. Okay. Um, I double checked and I put it in my drink just in case it was blood. That wouldn't stop me from drinking it. Yeah, I just like figured we've already gotten like more than satanic enough. Like, I don't mean to be like drinking each other's blood right now, like on our podcast. Well, not right now anyway. Yeah, let's. let's we'll, we'll get there. We'll ease you it. into it. So, um, yeah, I somehow cut myself and I was cutting off these uh, orange peels because I am clumsy, notoriously. Clumsy. If it was me, I would have done the same thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, all right, so, well, according to Billy Zane's character, Cal Hockley in Titanic, <laughs> a real man makes his own luck. <laughs> so how do we decide whether or not we have good luck? Do you tend to think of yourself as lucky, unlucky? Um, I would say that my luck is even, but swings in extremes. That is a really fascinating answer. I don't know what I expected, but that's above and beyond <laughs> what I thought. Explain that. So, um, as you know, I do not live a normal life at all. And that's not entirely by choice. So one day it'll be you can live in this beautiful townhouse in a wonderful part of town that's run controlled with wonderful neighbors out of nowhere. And you then lucky bitch. <laughs> the next day, someone I know has been murdered. So you unlucky bitch. <laughs> it just it seems to swing back and forth in extremes. That is very fair. I appreciate that explanation. I, I tend live to, a weird life. I tend to think of myself as having relatively neutral luck. Like, I think I'm really lucky because I found Lee early and I recognized that I wanted to be with him young enough and, like, didn't make the mistake of missing that. I think I'm, like, unlucky because I have a chronic illness. <laughs> and, like, the luck of the draw on that just sucks. So I think it kind of just, like, evens out. Mm -hmm. Um... And things that don't matter, like games and, like, stupid things like that, like cornhole and, like, learning a, a new casual game. Mm -hmm. Lee is always, like, very lucky. He, like, 
somehow like does really well in everything at the beginning every time Mm -hmm. and I have much more of a steep learning curve usually (laughs) so I I think like luck can kind of be um situational too you know I kind of wish my answer had not been and then someone I know is murdered I wish my answer had probably been more along your lines of and now you're blind in one eye (laughs) (laughs) well that's you just have a lot of extraordinary like bad luck and good luck but look I've only been connected to three murders Oh, okay. Well, that's above and beyond what anyone should be connected to. As a suspect, Alex? Not as a suspect. Uh, To give you an example of one of the three, uh, my high school geometry teacher was actually found uh, dead of a gunshot wound to the head in her garage down the street from my mom's house because we live in the same neighborhood. I was already living in Seattle at the time, so I'm not a suspect. It was actually um, ruled as a suicide, mostly due to lack of evidence. But there's a strong belief that it may have been her husband who did it. Uh, I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but I just now made the connection between um, your love of and fascination with Sister Kathy Sesnick and also you having lost a teacher to murder. Yeah, but I didn't love this teacher. Okay. Yeah, she was kind of a dick. Okay. I, I know, know you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, but I did not have good experiences with this teacher. Good to know. I was just, I think the parallel experiences. Yeah, yeah. And actually, that's something that I hadn't noticed either. Um, but I also don't want to say that because she was a dick, I wished harm on her. Sure. I more or less just wanted her to, you know, just leave me the hell alone. Um, and I don't think I'd seen her since I graduated from high school years earlier. So, but yeah, that's uh, one of three murders that I am loosely connected to. Good grief, girl. So, uh, research has established links between physical feelings and mental health. For example, a person feels more tired when they're depressed, generally. Some people get agitated energy, but usually more tired. Can't confirm. If this is true, why can't our minds affect what we perceive as luck as well? Knowing what we know about the power of confirmation bias, wouldn't it be useful to frame our life to look for good or lucky things so that we've noticed them more? Hmm, that's a good point. So I'm curious, what luck rituals do you participate in? Um, well, actually, one of the luck rituals I participate in is one that you've had a hand in recently, because I was telling you during our stormy weather episode that dream catchers usually tend to help me with nightmares. And you actually, at my Halloween party, gave me a dream catcher, which I love so much. And I'm so glad so, you like it. I was so excited to find one. And I understand that it just a placebo effect that works for me, but uh, that is one of the good luck things that I do every day is uh, I have my dream catcher above my bed. I sleep. I love that. Has it helped yet? It ha- here. So here's the thing. I actually I had a bad dream last night, but it turned around halfway through it and became a dream where I was trying to stop the bad thing from happening. That's awesome. So it was like an empowering dream, kind of. Well, I well the dream was in short. One of my best friends growing up had died from a severe allergic reaction. So I did text her this morning. I was like, so I had this dream about you last night. And I want you to know that I love you. She can't see without her glasses. <laughs> But um, in the dream, it turned out that she hadn't died of this allergic reaction. Something else had happened and I'd gone back in time and I was trying to figure out what actually happened to her while also trying to like keep her alive. The what whole an time. amazing dream. It was a weird dream. I think I'll take that as an improvement. Yeah, yeah. It is definitely an improvement from, you know, everyone you know is dying. Sure. Yeah. I mean, what isn't? <laughs> Um, so I think like many people, I knock on wood. Oh, yeah. All the time. Like I, that's like, if I had to say like the, my go-to like luck thing is like, anytime I acknowledge any good luck I've had, I, I, I knock on wood. It's, 
it's something that like I know is irrational. Yeah. But I'm not going to stop doing. <laughs> I, I also knock on wood, or if I'm at work and there's no wood nearby, I will knock on office furniture. Mm, nice. A particle board. I mean, like whatever's whatever's nearby. It's comprised of something that was once wood, probably. I mean, there there are natural materials in it. Yeah. So, um, I think part of it is like the whole like waiting for the other shoe to drop, like feeling that a mm. lot of people from somewhat dysfunctional families will have like something good is happening. So I don't believe this will last. What's the terrible thing on my horizon? Yeah. So it's like gonna ward that off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so I wanted to kind of dive into some specific examples. I've divided these into uh, wishes and then uh, bad and good luck. So I wanted you to give me some examples of things that we wish on. Stars. What else? Um, There's eyelashes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else do we wish on? <laughs> this one that like really like immediately comes to my mind. Right. Yeah. I, I also couldn't think of very many in the beginning, and then I like started googling about this and was like, oh my god, there's so many things we wish on. This has to be its own category. Within Birthday this candles. <laughs> yep. So, all right, I'll dive into um, those ones that you talked about, and then a couple others as well. Okay. A falling star. Mm-hmm. The first star I see. A shooting star. All of those kind of star variations. Everything that I read about shooting stars or falling stars or wishing on the first star I see tonight uh, refers back to our fascination with and lack of understanding around celestial bodies. That makes sense. That tracks. Yeah. uh, It has pretty unclear origins, but it seems to me at least that most cultures have attempted to create meaning out of our stars particularly unusual things that we're seeing in the stars. Uh, Ptolemy actually suggested that the gods occasionally pried apart celestial spheres to look down on humanity. And when this happened, a star might fall through. And so that's why we saw shooting stars. Since the gods' attention would already be focused on you at that time, it might make sense to make a wish for something. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, also in the Bible, the the Magi are following the star to where Jesus is. Um, and I actually think they found that it may have been like a natural astrological event that was just seen in the sky at that time. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I don't remember the name of it, so don't press me further on that. So we've always kind of tried to create meaning out of what we've seen in the sky. Yeah. Um, I did find an article titled, Why We Wish on Shooting Stars and Why You, and why you Might Want to Stop by Bruce Nichols. <laughs> Tell Um, me, Bruce! From a radio station, and we'll post all our sources as always. Um, He stated that some perceived shooting stars... Do you have a guess as to what they might be? Space debris? Yeah, exactly (laughs) right! Waste pods? Jettison from (laughs) spacecraft? So you might be wishing on shooting shit! (laughs) That brings a new meaning to the phrase, shoot the shit. (laughs) That's amazing. Usually you would have had that one-liner. I'm surprised I came up with it. Uh, No, I was just like, that makes sense, because I uh, wished pretty consistently for, like, an entire year about something on a shooting star. On every, every, like, first star I saw that night, every time I would wish for the same thing. And then a year later, definitely did not happen. (laughs) And I was like, well, all right, I'm done with that. But I'm not, because I can't help myself. This is probably entirely coincidental or a part of me making things actually actively happening but every wish i've ever made has come true what every single time i don't believe you (laughs) i I call bullshit how is this possible so do you want to hear like a really depressing one always because most of my stories are really depressing what depressing shit are you wishing for so or is it a be careful what you wish for thing no this was actually a a good thing so um a couple years ago in november when i 
lost sight in my one eye. I didn't have a lot of friends to hang out with. I was still having a really hard time establishing long-term friendships in Seattle. And the closest that we had was that toxic group of friends that you and I came from. Yeah. And I actually, uh, I had eyelash come out and I actually made a wish. It was like, I just wish I had friends. I just wish I had at least one really good friend or just friends that I can just take the time to see and hang out with so I'm not just spending all my days off alone. And not long after that, you and I started hanging out. Then Siona and I started hanging out. And then I got the uh, house in Seattle and transferred in my job. And then I met Kendall and Miranda. And next thing I knew... Less than a year later, I had a great, wonderful group of friends that I'm still really close to today. I love that one. I find myself not depressed at all. <laughs> so I don't know if that's uh, more like my wish coming true or more of me just making it happen because you and I were finally like, holy shit, why aren't we just hanging out? That was such a beautiful moment when we realized that and we we're like, oh, we can just be friends. Yeah, we, d- we don't need to put up the rest of this. I like that. Yeah, so that's one of my wishes that's come true. Aw, I'm a wish come true. You are a wish come true. I'm your shooting star. And sometimes you're shooting shit, probably. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I love you. I love you, too. I'm usually the shooting shit. (laughs) Well, we like to shoot the shit together. That's fair. I'll put a rim shot in there. Thank you. Not a rim job, though, right? We talk about buttholes a lot, and I just want to, like, be (laughs) very clear. There's a line, there's a line, there's a line. Okay, good deal, good deal. Uh, So, birthday candles. (laughs) Excellent segue. Uh, This one seems to be an amalgamation of a couple of different ideas from a couple of different cultures. In ancient Greece, in ancient Greece, tell me all about ancient Greece. In ancient Greece, worshippers. Really want to talk to you about ancient Greece? You ever been down ancient Greece? You ever been down the Parthenon? I'd have a cocksucking GT. <laughs> Good lord. Um, that's, this uh, is the episode where Alex and Lacey just lost their minds. It's a letter Kenny reference. Right? Yeah. Or were you having a stroke? I can be McMurray and have a stroke. I think you do a more accurate McMurray when you do have a stroke. McMurray's <laughs> piece of shit. Okay. In ancient Greece, worshippers would bring baked goods to the temple of Artemis, who was goddess of the moon and hunt. It would uh, Those baked goods would often be adorned with lit candles to mimic the glow of the moon. It was believed that rising smoke carried prayers to the gods. So wishing on the candles while blowing them out might have been seen as another fast track to having your wish heard by the gods. Oh, that also makes burning incense make a lot more sense now. That's immediately what I thought of, too. Well, see, we're just on the same wavelength. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's really, I didn't even write that down, but yeah, exactly right. Um, Birthday cakes come to us from Germany in the Middle Ages of all times, which were between 476 AD and 1492 AD. When children's birthday celebrations were known as Kinderfests. <laughs> because of course they were. Uh, German words are like, we're meaning this, we're meaning this, put them together. We're That's done. That's what I appreciate about the literal aspect of German. For sure. Uh, one candle would be placed on the birthday cake for each year of life, plus one more to represent ongoing life, aka one to grow on, and they would be put on the cake. And so that kind of with the uh, wishes going to the gods based on smoke were why we wish on birthday candles. That's cool. You know, not a lot of fun stuff came out of the Middle Ages. Right, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another thing that you mentioned are eyelashes. The fallen eyelash as a wish conduit has been around since at least 18th century Europe. 
but the history is, like many of these, kind of unclear. I actually didn't know the proper way to wish upon an eyelash until I did this research. There is a procedure. What is the procedure? Because I'm probably doing it wrong. Yeah, I think we all are, because the procedure is dumb. <laughs> I like the way we do it now. So you uh, take the fallen eyelash and put it on the back of your hand, and as you think about your wish in your head, you throw your hand behind you over your shoulder. Fuck <laughs> this eyelash! Which is just like an awkward thing to do and also like you've got to check your surroundings and if it falls off then your wish will come true. Oh, that's weird. I, I thought you were supposed to blow on the eyelash. Same. Yeah, I'm, I'm used to that. I think yeah. that's the one that most of us probably grew up with. Um, so I, I tried this and I was so distracted by the procedure of it all that I forgot to make a wish. And if that doesn't describe <laughs> me, I don't know what does. So I was wishing on an eyelash incorrectly when I got my eyelash wish. Or, I mean, maybe it's evolved into the only proper way to do it is to, like, blow it off. But this was, you know, the origin at least. So I mean, like, flailing, like, people are going to think you're having a stroke or you're having an episode where there's something just more elegant about blowing it off your finger. It could be discreet. And I feel like it stacks the odds in your favor because you can blow much harder than you can, like, probably generate velocity swinging your arm <laughs> behind you. Just, like, scientifically, like, my guess is. Well, like, what if, like, you had, like, conjunctivitis and so you got, like, some, like, nice eye goo on that eyelash that's going to stick right off. to your hand. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, I kind of like the method that we do better as well. Yeah. All right. Another thing we wish on is dandelions. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is actually uh, one with a little bit of a romantic origin. It goes back to the 1800s, and it was believed that if you blew on a dandelion and all the seeds flew away, the person that you had feelings for also felt the same way toward you. Oh, I know. That's so cute. I thought it was great. Uh, so it kind of, you know, eventually generalized, generalized to other kinds of wishing. But the, mes- the message that your wish won't come true unless all the seeds are gone has like, been consistent. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I definitely cool. remember that, because I remember a couple of times blowing and like half of them won't come off and it's fuck. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> Another thing we wish on is wishing wells. I've never wished in a wishing well. No? There aren't wells in the desert. Well, well, well. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Where do you get your water? Uh, usually Cacti? From, yeah. Usually actually from uh, reservoirs. There are underground rivers in the desert, uh, most of which have already been exploited for their water sources. There's really not a lot. They're actually running out of water in oh the Mojave gosh. Desert, and they do not actively have a solution at this point in time. That's interesting to know. I had no idea about any of that. Yeah, they're actually a, there's a severe drought going on right now in the Mojave Desert, and in Las Vegas, they actually don't have the water district. They have the water authority, where they actually have like their own cop cars. So if you're watering at the wrong times of day, or if like you're using a garden hose to like wash your car in the front yard, all those things are illegal. You're only allowed to water your lawn during certain times of day when it's dark outside, so the water's less likely to evaporate and keep it within the system. Well, and like to be honest, and to take that a step further, I think also like I don't know if there are laws around it, but I support the idea that people should have plants native to the climate that they're in and not try to have like a big grassy lawn in the desert because it's a waste of resource. Yeah, a lot of the lawns that you see in the desert are probably astroturf, but most of them are like the like what we called desert landscaping, which is a fancy way of saying we have three boulders in the front yard and a cactus. <laughs> <laughs> it evokes the desert, does it not? Yeah, yeah that is uh, that is really interesting. Uh, so the way that we uh, got this idea of wishing wells is kind of that life has always been organized around water. It's always been a life-sustaining thing for people. And so uh, wells were held up 
as important places and places that gods might sometimes dwell. That the, makes good sense. There's a there's a god theme to a lot of these. Uh, there's a god-shaped well in all of us <laughs> and a restless soul is searching. Uh, good lord. The lord is good. Amen. Uh, people used to pray at wells. <laughs> Promise we're not Satanists! <laughs> uh, so people would pray at wells, sometimes giving an offering for gratitude or to gain favor. And the way that we practice this today is we throw coins into fountains. We give offerings to try and incur favor on us. Like, it's so interesting to see that, like, modern, like, analog to the same thing that people have been doing forever. Yeah, well, it makes me think of that scene in the Goonies when they're down in the well and they're, like, all the pennies everywhere. Yeah, and so, like, uh, most charity, or most um, fountains and wells that, like, people throw money in uh, go to charities and go to, like, public organization. Uh, The coins in New York City public park fountains uh, go toward the upkeep of the parks, which makes sense. And the money in Rome's Trevi Fountain, uh, up to $4,000 a day, is collected every single wow. day. And it goes uh, toward a supermarket for hungry people, among other things. Oh, charities. that's great. Yeah, so I thought, like, that's amazing. And, like, wow. Are you ready for a dick admission? Yes. So when I uh, was in private school, I used to sometimes take the uh, local bus home from school because it was like two blocks and it was nothing. But if I didn't have cash on me for the bus, we would walk by a fountain on the way to the bus stop and we would go fishing for our bus fare in the <laughs> fountain. That's a charity of sorts. <laughs> yes, those rich private school kids really needed the help to get on the local city bus because they were too cool to have their mom pick them up. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I also there's something like ironic and funny about like scraping money, money together for the bus when like I don't know I just feel like riding in a car is at all times preferable <laughs> being and I'm a big bus fan I ride the bus all the time but I just like oh yeah if I can get a ride sure I'll be in a car there was like this weird dynamic being at like the private school because it's like you always wanted to be like a little bit edgier like a little bit cooler and like when you're in private school around like a bunch of rich kids that like, get brand new cars for their sweet 16 it's like yeah, well, I'm not like the others. I take the local city bus. My dad pays my tuition in full on time every month. <laughs> Hand me another cigarette. Then Alex, she's a little rough around the edges, but I like her spirit. I actually wore a black arm warmers with my school uniform, and I had the vice principal talk to me about it, like, the last week of school. Was, were they concerned that... I was going to say was she, but I don't know why I made that assumption. Was she concerned that your arms were going to be too warm in the desert, or...? No, it was more of I was so far outside of the uniform that it was distracting. It's like, look, lady, I've been doing this since, like, the fall. It's the end of the school year, and I'm leaving this school next year to go to public school anyway, because y'all are rich assholes, so I don't care. Go ahead and suspend me. I don't care anymore. <laughs> they never did anything to me, because there was, like, two weeks left in the school year. And also, of like, all the, quote, inappropriate or distracting things, like, to do to alter your uniform, I just feel like, who gives a dick? Like, come on. Yeah. Like, she wanted to cover up more? Just, like, let her be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that we wish on is a wishbone. Oh, yeah. I know all these things. I'm like, of course Obviously we do. Obviously we but wish like, on these things. But they don't come to mind like outside of holidays when there might be a wishbone. That's fair. You know, it's, that's like less of a common occurrence than like losing an eyelash. You know, my family never did the wishbone. I don't think I did a wishbone until I was older. I think I also did that at like somebody else's house for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Was it like an actual like thing at their house or was it just like, oh, hey, here's the wishbone? It was a, oh, hey, here's the wishbone. Okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> even the first time I did it, it was a, oh, hey, here's the wishbone. Yeah. It wasn't I, like, everyone gather around. Yeah. I think it was when I was in high school and we were at my uh, stepdad's family's house mm. for Thanksgiving. Yeah. 
it's yeah i know i didn't grow up with that one either um so supposedly if you, you and another person hold the dried wishbone uh one pinky from each person hooked un- under one end so it's supposed to be your pinky finger again there's procedures for this okay yeah we didn't do that uh yeah i know no one no one does this shit but this is the proper way alex so i'm going over the information <laughs> the only rule i go by is you can't use your thumb because that's just cheating that's fair um, whoever ends up with a larger piece when it breaks apart will have their wish come true. According to a How Stuff Works article by Deborah Ronka, the tradition of wishing on wishbones originated around 700 BCE with the ancient Etruscans. They believe birds were oracles. Sure, who doesn't? Uh, well, I mean, they even say uh, in uh, the play Julius Caesar that one of the reasons that it was like bird signs or something was like one of the reasons why they were saying like we shouldn't go after Caesar. And then there was like a lightning storm. He's like, I threw myself into the storm. If Zeus was against us, he would have struck me down. That is a very specific reference. <laughs> good yes, job. Good job. Beware the eyes of Mark. <laughs> you know, we all are. Um, so th- they believe birds were oracles. So whenever they slaughtered a chicken, they would leave the wishbone in the sun to dry and Villagers would pick it up, stroke it, and make a wish, which doesn't sound creepy. Uh, you stroke that bone. Right? Stroke um, me, stroke me. <laughs> uh, when chickens became more scarce, the bones would be broken in half, so there was more bone bit to go around to wish on. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of how it evolved into breaking the bone and okay. fighting for it. Um, here in the U.S., the tradition is generally centered around turkeys instead of chickens, uh, just because I think they were more plentiful. Fair. And it's what we use in our, like, ritualized feasts, if you will. That's fair. We also wish on patterns on the clock. Oh, 11-11. Yeah. Make a wish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I have to admit that I started researching this one, and, uh, like a lot of myths that are based on numerology, I have no patience for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it makes sense to me that we would try to attribute meaning to like perceived like random or strange things, but not really that we'd wish on time on the clock because it happens twice a fucking day, every goddamn day. Yeah. It's reliable. It's like clockwork. You know exactly when it's going to happen. There, there's just not like much magic in it to me. Um, I, I don't know. It just didn't seem special. And like, I think like anything numerology based, like number patterns can be made to mean anything. This plus this times this minus this. And like, it's just... That's fair. Ooh, I just don't have time for that one. <laughs> I think the only time I ever get excited for is if I look at the clock and it says 3.14, I just go, pie time! And that's it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I like I like when they're in ascending order, like 2, 3, 4. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, when you, like, notice, like, something, like, really cool in the pattern, but it doesn't... But then I don't make a wish, usually. That's not one. Yeah, it's just a, oh, hey, cool, I just have to look at the phone at this time. Right. Because none of us wear watches anymore. We just look at our phones. True, yeah. <laughs> I never, I I don't like the sound of ticking and I don't like the smell of metal. And so watches are anathema. Uh, All right. The next topic I've got uh, broad wise is bad luck, omens, numbers, and what to avoid. Uh, So I've got uh, some fill in the blanks here for you. Okay. That I'll start off each category with. Bad luck comes in. Threes. Yes. Well, according to Danny Elfman on the soundtrack to Wanted, it's have you heard the news? Bad things come in twos. (laughs) And it always pisses me off because <laughs> it's not the news. You changed it. You changed it just to make a lyric rhyme. Yeah. And I, you know, no shade at Danny Elfman. All the respect towards Danny Elfman all the time. Um, but that's why I hold him to a higher standard. Exactly. You can do better, Danny. We expect more of you. Good song. Good movie, though. Um, so can you venture a guess as to why bad things come in threes? Uh, one of the biggest things that I've heard is like celebrity deaths mm. come in threes. Why? I don't know. well it is something uh, most of what i read about uh said that the reason we believe this is related to something we talk about a lot here confirmation bias yes confirmation bias 
Exactly right. It's our old friend. Well, of course, I think in a 2016, then bad things came in 30s. Good God. <laughs> there were so many things. There's so many, so many deaths. Uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, the reason bad things come in threes is uh, they don't. <laughs> Turns out we look for them in threes. So when two bad things happen, we go, what's the third? And then we go, that's the third. And then the cycle's done. And we start the count over again. <laughs> Oh, confirmation bias. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, I did find a really interesting quote. Uh, there's an article, Do Bad Things Really Come in Threes? by Julian Hugu. I don't know, H-U-G-U-E-T. Uh, and he said, quote, Humans look for patterns in random data in a way to extract order from disorder. The tendency is called apophenia, and it was first discovered by German psychologist and neuroscientist Klaus Conrad in 1958 who is studying people suffering the onset of schizophrenia. So I think it makes sense that humans try to find meaning in perceived patterns. It also makes sense that this urge gone out of control could lead to a delusional disorder where you lose yeah. touch with reality because you're into making the world match up with your belief. That makes sense. Uh, in so many things, I think the difference between mental illness and mental health is like a matter of degree. So if a person holds the belief that bad things happen in threes, but it doesn't really affect their behavior or limit their life in any major way, then it's probably not a diagnosis. But if their belief in bad things happening in threes really limits their life in some way, affects their decision making, uh, keeps them out of certain spheres where they could benefit, it could be a diagnosable disorder. And I think... Like, I started thinking about that, and I was like, oh, that could be true about, like, belief in really any of these things. Yeah. If it got to the point where it was really affecting your behavior in a way that was, like, outside of the cultural norm. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, which kind of also goes back to, like, how culturally bound diagnosis of mental illness really is. Because it's like, we all know it's crazy to, like, wish on the clock or a shooting star or whatever, but, like, we all do it and we all agree it's, like, not crazy and it's totally fine and, like, it's within the realm of normal behavior. <laughs> yeah. But when it's something like, uh, I can see two bad things have happened, now I'm going to limit myself and, like, lock myself in the house forever just exactly. so that third bad thing doesn't happen to me. Yeah, and so... It could play a role in anything like that, anxiety-based or... Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I thought that, that was an interesting uh, connection between things like that. Friday the what is 13th. unlucky. <laughs> so, fun fact, my dad's birthday is Friday, is, is October the 13th. Was he born on a Friday? He always liked to tell people he was born on Friday the 13th. I googled it. He was born on a Saturday. <laughs> You're a fucking liar. <laughs> he liked the mythology around it. Which, all right, all right. It's so my dad. It's so like staying up to was watch Was he born mysteries. like late at nighttime? So like it was Friday. Well, like, it's Friday like, the 12th, right? Yeah. It doesn't, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't make, make sense. Work. Um, so there are potential origin stories. There are several for Friday the 13th being unlucky. Uh, I'll, I've got a few just kind of in summary. Uh, there's a Norse legend about 12 gods dining in Valhalla. They were interrupted by a 13th. Loki. Exactly right. I've heard this one. <laughs> he showed up and he tricked one of the gods into shooting his brother with the only substance that could kill his brother. Uh, I saw the names and decided not to put us all through that, my pronunciation of any of them. So I know how to say Loki and that's why he's in there. That makes sense. I just remember them threatening him with Thor. That's the biggest thing I remember from the mythology. That makes sense. Um, that tracks with Marvel. <laughs> Well, also uh, in Norse mythology, uh, Thor is redhead. Uh, why? Is that significant? I don't know, uh, but he was made blonde for the comics. Interesting. I didn't know that. So, so we get Thor's day. 
uh, there's another legend about a group of uh, 12 to 13 people, uh, the Last Supper. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jesus and his 12 disciples. Because Judas betrayed Jesus, he's sometimes seen as unlucky number 13 to the whole group. And wasn't he the last one to show up to the Last Supper? Uh, possibly. I actually didn't see that, but I would be curious to see what... I- you probably know. Um, I don't know everything, Lacey. <laughs> <laughs> you remember things once you've read them, usually. That's usually. Yeah. But I had a migraine earlier today, so the brain ain't working too well. That's fair. That's fair. I'm just saying. <laughs> I trust a lot of things that you say, generally. Um, also, uh, Jesus was crucified on Good Friday, uh, which, for all we know, could have been a Friday the 13th. I had I had another bit about this. Isn't it also uh, bad luck to set sail on a Friday? Is it? I think I read a thing where like they were trying to like break the myth. So like they had like a ship named Friday leave on a Friday with like a captain named Friday, and it still sank. <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that. But I heard that it's a bad luck to set sail on a Friday. Well, we must never do that, Alex. The most cruises start on Fridays, don't they? If they're like three day cruises, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> In 1307, King Philip IV of France arrested hundreds of Knights Templar on Friday, October 13th. I, uh... Uh, purportedly on charges of heresy, but more likely done for political reasons. Confessions from those knights were obtained using torture, which we now know is not an effective way to obtain accurate information from people. Yeah. Uh, and many knights were later burned at the stake. Yeah. So that's, um, not a great time for a Friday the 13th. Yeah, not really. Well, also, the knights, let's not pretend the knights Templar were saints. Sure. Let's, <laughs> let's not give that illusion. Let's not mix up our knights and our saints, our saints and our sailors, what have you. <laughs> Confusing times. <laughs> uh, I did find some cultural variations on Friday the 13th. Uh, there is an unlucky Tuesday the 13th in Greece. Oh. And some Spanish-speaking countries. And Friday the 17th is unlucky in Italy. Weird. I feel like we've been talking about Greece a lot. Yeah. Uh, turns out a lot of our culture comes from there. You don't say. Yeah. That's weird. weird. <laughs> uh, so what crossing your path is bad luck? Black hat. Uh Yesterday was Halloween. Yes, it was. And I had to run some errands, uh, including getting the Calvados for the Old Fashioned Wives Tale. (laughs) And I decided I'm going to wear my uh, glow-in-the-dark black cat t-shirt that my mom gave me (laughs) with a hood with little ears so I look like a cat. Mm -hmm. And I started, I saw one guy when I was walking uh, up to Target, like, seemingly, like, walk towards me and then swerve to avoid me, and I thought, oh my god. You're the black cat! I'm the black cat! So then, like, I took perverse joy in, like, crossing as many people's paths as I could. You just kept darting back and forth across the street? Yeah. Is that why there was that pile-up yesterday? Was that you, Lacey? It was me. <laughs> so I, was, I thought that was, like, huh, pretty uh, topical. Yeah. <laughs> um, ideas about black cats being bad luck. Where do you think we get that? Witch familiars? Totally right. Yeah, exactly. And so we're like... If it's witchcraft-based. <laughs> yeah, you say you don't know everything, and then here you are giving me witchcraft basics. Look, not everybody has an aunt that practices and was more or less indoctrinated at age 17. But of course you do. <laughs> um, so I kept finding that, and that's what I expected to find. Yeah. Uh, so that makes sense. But here is something I didn't expect. Have you heard the statement that black cats and dogs are less likely to be adopted from shelters? I did not know that, but that makes sense because the black dog is also a big omen. It's supposed to be re- like lo- related to the devil, and yeah. that's one of the reasons why David Berkowitz was like this demon's living in the black dog that lives next door. Absolutely right. Which we all know now is bullshit. Uh, so the idea that uh, black cats and dogs are less likely to be adopted is also not accurate. 
I, I've seen that go around on the internet a lot and there's like even like black cat adoption awareness days and like mm-hmm. things like that. But somebody at the ASPCA, Dr. Emily Weiss, conducted a study. Are they more likely? Both. Uh, so that both adoption and euthanasia numbers for black cats were higher than cats of other colors. So they are both euthanized and adopted at much higher rates than any other cats. So we're just more active. Now, when they're being euthanized, though, is it because they weren't adopted or are they being euthanized because they're just old and their owners are like, this is for the good of the animal? I actually didn't find that data. That's a really interesting question, though. Because I would think, like, if they're being adopted more, uh, a stray cat that's out in the wild is going to live and die on its own terms, where if you adopt an animal, most of us have to put our pets down eventually. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. I would be curious about that as well. Uh, Black dogs top the adoption list over the colors of other dogs. Yeah. That I did not expect. Um, And brown dogs were euthanized more than other colors. So I thought, what? (laughs) I'd also be curious about, like, the population makeup of colors of dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. I also wonder if, like, because I've heard, like, different colors of labs have different degrees of intelligence. So I wonder if it's a breeding thing based on brown dogs. That could be possible. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, this is just like way more uh, data than I thought I would encounter on something like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, however, there are more black cats and dogs in shelters than other colors of cats and dogs, partly because like there are just a lot of them and like they're more likely to be adopted and also humanized. So like that we just seem to see a lot of traffic of them. Uh, so you're more likely to see black animals at shelters on any given day because we have, it sounds like, more activity around them. But, like, it's maybe just, like, higher numbers of black animals. So, yeah. I don't know. I think more research needs to be done on that. But I was really curious to kind of... I'm glad that we're trying to look at this animal data in nuanced ways. I think it's helpful for our society to try and, like, relate to animals yeah. more fully. Well, I know uh, pit bulls have the hardest time being adopted because right now they're the quote-unquote dangerous dog out there. And I've had two pit bulls. They were wonderful dogs yeah i don't really believe in the idea of bad breeds it's really like some bad people are attracted to certain breeds of dogs and they're more likely to make those dogs that they adopt aggressive but that is not dependent on the dog's actual breed that's the behavior of people and their choices well i feel like when you and i were kids the uh the dangerous breed of dog was the rottweiler and uh, at one point, I guess the German Shepherd was the dangerous oh, yeah. dog to have. We had a uh, Rottweiler Dobie mix, Roxy, for many years, Aww. and she was like the sweetest dog. She was she would smile on command sometimes for the camera. You'd be like, smile. Oh. <laughs> uh, one of my childhood friends. Uh, actually, I very specifically remember this day. So the day that my dad broke his hip and my brother had strep throat. It was a big day in the fourth grade. Bad luck day. That was a real bad luck <laughs> for day. your family. But uh, Bob was at uh, the short house and those were our childhood friends and there was a rottweiler just walking down the street that everybody was avoiding and their family just fell in love with it and they ended up adopting it and they ended up naming her daisy i love it what a sweet rottweiler name daisy the rottweiler she was such a good girl she's such a girl such a good girl (laughs) um yeah so oh kind of some interesting data there let me finish my bite all right Uh, No, Lacey, you have to keep talking. Talk through it. Work through it. I can swallow. (laughs) Step on a crack. Step on a crack. What? Break your back. Or break your mama's back. There you go. Kind of what I found makes a lot of sense. There's an intuitive link between ideas of darkness and places with potential for evil. So crack is a dark place. It's also kind of a flaw in the system. Potential where evil could leak in. 
we are afraid of the unknown. There is a corollary to this one that I didn't know. Step on a line. Break your spine? Break your father's spine. Oh, I just knew there was something with the spine. Yeah, but yeah. you're exactly right. So I was like, oh, okay, well, at least there's um, equal gender opportunity. Although I guess we remember the mother one a lot more. Like the father's well, spine I'd never heard. I wonder if it's because we're just closer to our mamas usually. Mm, that's fair. And, you know, there's lines everywhere in the modern world. I feel like cracks are a little bit easier to avoid than lines. Yeah. Well, I did break my dad's hip. Is that because you stepped on the crack? No. <laughs> <laughs> this was the day Bobby had strep throat and Daisy showed up. So um, how'd, you, how'd you break your dad's hip? So... I didn't actually break my dad's hip. Uh, what we did is we went ice skating as one of the things that we did during that day. And we decided to have a race around the ice skating rink. And it was supposed to be three laps and two or finished first one. And uh, he fell during the first lap because as he was making a sharp turn, he caught his toe pick and went over and broke his hips. So the ball that's in the socket of the pelvis broke off clean from the rest of his femur. Oh my God. Well, here's the classy daughter I am. I finished the race before I stopped to make sure if he was okay. Sure. Well, you wanted to win. Daddy didn't raise no quitter. Well, <laughs> at first I was thinking, because I saw him down on the first lap, and I was like, okay, so he fell, um, and I didn't think it was a big thing, and I went by the second time, and I was like, okay, he's still down, maybe this isn't a good thing. So I was like, in case he's trying to trick me, I'm just going to do one more lap <laughs> real quick. <laughs> he might be really wounded, but I know this guy. <laughs> he's got some tricks. I was a very suspicious child. <laughs> but then when I got to him the next time, he couldn't even stand up. So I ended up getting security and calling 911. How old were you? I was nine years old. Oh my God. Yeah, I also took his uh, ice skates off on the rink and I rode with him in the ambulance to the hospital. Was that your first ambulance ride? Yes, it was. Oh, wow. First of many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it wasn't your last. It definitely wasn't my last. <laughs> and that little girl was you. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just hadn't done that in a while. It's it true. Like we haven't heard from Jerome the newspaper man in a while either. So. I know, we gotta weave him back in. Um, what does breaking a mirror bring you? Bad luck. Seven years of bad luck, specifically. Yes. Uh, so many people think that this belief originated from the old ideas that reflections hold a part of your soul, whether okay. in um, like a mirror or water or anything. Uh, so breaking a mirror would break the soul into pieces. Oh. Then you've got all these horcruxes. <laughs> <laughs> Killing splits the soul. There you go. Uh, this is me not knowing my Harry Potter mythology. <laughs> uh, alternately, the soul uh, might seek revenge on the one who damaged it, often in the form of someone close to you dying. So, like, mm. yeah. Uh, yikes. Uh, the reason that seven years of bad luck might stem from the Roman belief that uh, it takes seven years for life to renew itself. Okay. So they thought that if a person was in poor health, their image would break the mirror, and then it would take seven years for their health to restore itself again. Oh. I was like, great, I'll wait by How long has it been for me? It's been about that time, yeah? I've heard a couple reasons for why it's seven years specifically. Um, Go for it. One of the things I heard was uh, because it used to be silver applied to like a black back for it, it took, uh, and it was so expensive and it was so time consuming to do, that you would lose seven years worth of pay. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, then another one I heard was that along the same lines, it took seven years to create a mirror properly if you're going to do a big one. So if you broke it, that's undoing seven years of work. Interesting. I, li I kind of like that. There's a certain like poetic logic to that. I don't think either of those are true. No. I I've heard so many different reasons, but I know there's a lot of mythology around mirrors, like uh, covering up a mirror when 
somebody dies in the house, their soul doesn't become trapped. And uh, vampires can't see their reflection in mirrors. Actually, it's because old mirrors used to be made with silver, which vampires are highly allergic to. Oh my god! So they wouldn't reflect on the silver surface. So modern mirrors, vampires probably have a reflection in. I had never heard that explanation for that. That's so cool. Well, I do also know a lot about vampires. Yeah, but she doesn't know everything, folks. I'll remind you. (laughs) (laughs) Just vampires and witches. Just vampires and witches. (laughs) You know, the usual things. I got my education from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) That's really all anyone needs. Methods for counteracting the bad luck. Have you heard of any of these? Throwing salt over your shoulder. I think that's mostly for spilling the salt, but... Okay, well, because isn't it supposed to be over your left shoulder, so you throw it in the devil's eye? It is, yeah. Very good. Um, <laughs> horseshoes? Oh, I didn't even do horseshoes. These are great ideas. Uh, I'm going to stop asking. <laughs> uh, so these are uh, more mirror-specific ones. Okay. Uh, so this one, uh, there's several. There's, like, this is the most one. Like, you, you could do a lot of things to try and counteract, because it's seven years, so they, yeah. you need options. Um, so don't you can, play Bloody Mary. Right. Definitely don't do that. Uh, that's just good advice. So grinding up all the pieces of the mirror so that so small that it can never reflect anything again. Okay. You can't um, trap a soul if you can't reflect. Exactly. Uh, you could bury all the pieces of the mirror in the moonlight. Okay. Hey, mirror in the moonlight. <laughs> uh, you could throw all the pieces into running water because we've got a bunch of magic beliefs around water still. Um, you can light seven white candles on the first night after the beer is broken and blow them all out in one breath at midnight. Okay, well, I mean, white candles also have a very strong connection to witchcraft and yeah. purity. So it makes sense. Um, you could touch the, a piece of the mirror to a tombstone, and if you are too lazy for any of those, you can leave the pieces exactly as they are <laughs> for seven hours, one for each year of bad luck. So just, just don't touch it. Just don't clean it for seven hours. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not an option for those of us with pets. Yeah. See that. Alex, why can I go in the bedroom? Just trust me. It's for all of our benefits. <laughs> right? Just like, don't for the next seven hours and we'll have good seven years. We're um, just going to play Until Dawn tonight, all the way through in real time. And not move. Yeah. <laughs> Stay away from the bedroom in the mirror. <laughs> Don't walk underneath what? A ladder. Exactly. Uh, this one, I think, has a practical side to it. That just seems like good logic. Like, I think that's just on all the OSHA pamphlets they hand out. Yeah, just don't do that. Um, but also, if you think about ladders before we had, like, modern ladders that are, like, that A-frame that you think of, it was just, like, one side of that leaned up against something. Yeah. Um, which, like, you could easily knock someone off of or make unstable. Also, still, don't walk under yeah, that. I mean, don't, but, like, just... it, like even more so um, if it's just, like, a piece of wood leaned up against a wall. <laughs> like, God help us all. I did read an article, 13 Common But Silly Superstitions, uh, that mentioned this one might originate from Christianity, like a lot of people. You don't do. say. All right. A ladder for- leaned against a wall forms a triangle. Where could Where could I be going with this? Holy Trinity? Yep. So it's got three sides, right? And three points. And those stand for God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Uh, It's all right there. And if you walk through it, you're breaking that. How dare you? (laughs) Well, you know it has to be holy because it forms a right angle. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Good job. Good job. Um, I could have done better. (laughs) The uh, another explanation I read is that ladders were a part of medieval gallows. Okay. And depending on the placement, the place under the angle of the ladder is where the person is going to be hanged. So if you walk under the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like, maybe avoid the gallows if, if at all possible. 
Uh, I've got a picture we'll post on the site because I was trying to figure out, like, trying to visualize this, but I think the picture kind of helps, so mm-hmm. I've got that and uh, resources, uh, like, the reference it's for like that. It's like, don't take a nap on an executioner's stone. It's just probably not going to end well for you. I know. I like... I, so here's a couple more, like, practical ones. Uh, don't open... What? Indoors? An umbrella inside. <laughs> yeah. Similar to the latter thing. Uh, Lori Dove article on HowStuffWorks.com confirmed for me that when umbrellas came out in the 18th century... They were pretty hardcore. (laughs) Uh, The spring mechanism to propel the umbrella open was powerful. It's not like the safety (laughs) slider that you've got today. And it could have really easily poked an eye out or knocked a valuable vase off of something. Like, it's just like, yeah, you can destroy shit. Can you just, like, imagine, like, someone getting, like, pissed off in an argument and shooting their umbrella at someone? I said good day! <laughs> this is actually the origins of the penguin from the Batman comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a villainous instrument back in the day, anyway. Um, and then you said throw spilled salt where? Over your left shoulder. Uh, so in Leonardo da Vinci's painting, The Last Supper, this is the second Last Supper reference in here. Jesus, literally. A lot of stuff around this. Uh... In that painting, Judas has knocked the salt over with his elbow. And for some people, salt is associated with lying and disloyalty and Judas and all the things that he stands for. (laughs) Uh, So spilling salt may also be an invitation to the devil to come and tempt you. Well, that definitely feels like a Christian belief because uh, in Roman times, you get paid in your yearly amount of salt, which is where the word salary comes from. Oh, really? Wow. And so like you're like throwing money out basically if you're spilling salt that makes sense yeah so that I, and so you're right like the devil might be hanging out especially if you spill the salt you're tempting him to come to you and then he's mm-hmm. gonna hang out on your left more sinister side mm-hmm. and so throwing it over your left shoulder is gonna blind him and keep him away from you that makes sense yeah i was like oh okay um, well, i said get me get behind me satan i didn't say just hang out <laughs> he's like yeah i'm with you <laughs> he's like i'm behind you do what you're saying <laughs> now for good luck beliefs talismans and rituals One thing that I hear about a lot and I think a lot of us believe in and I think Lee definitely has is beginner's luck. Uh, The 13 Common But Silly Superstitions article that I read by Stephanie Pappas uh, suggests that beginner's luck is really just the beginner being less nervous about winning. So That makes sense. <laughs> their nerves aren't like interfering with them doing a good job. They're like, okay, so if I do this, oh, hey, look. <laughs> Another possible explanation is our old friend. Confirmation bias? Yeah. Confirmation bias rears its ugly head again. So we notice when beginners do well at something, partly because we tend to believe that like, well, if I practice, then I will be better at something. So if someone without practice does well, then they must be lucky. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of like see all those times that it happens and disregard all the times when beginners yeah. aren't lucky. <laughs> well, I also know that uh, if I'm teaching someone a game that I've played before, I'll go easier on them because I don't want to be like, welcome to the game. You suck. Yeah, I, that's definitely fair. I uh, I don't do that with Lee because he is just good at everything that he tries. And so I will try my very hardest and I will not do as well. <laughs> <laughs> you can knock on what for luck? What? Apparently in the UK, the phrase has evolved to be touch wood instead of knock on wood. How are you touching it? It's less aggressive, probably, than the knock. Caress on wood. <laughs> like, just like the wishbone. You just yeah. want to pick it up and stroke it. Stroke that wood. Stroke that bone. Stroke me. Stroke me. <laughs> it's kind of weirdly sexual. Yeah, well, buttholes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so the idea of uh, why we knock on wood, uh, I found a mental floss article by Matt Soniak titled, Why do we knock on wood? I thought that might have the answers we needed. Uh, It relates the superstition to ancient religious practices and beliefs surrounding trees, 
like the idea that certain spirits might inhabit mm-hmm. certain trees or that trees might be able to somehow reveal one's future or grant favor in any kind of way. One pagan European tradition was to create a noisy environment in order to chase evil spirits away from the home and prevent them from hearing about and thereby potentially ruining a good per- a person's good luck. And so that combined with the knocking on wood mm-hmm. could be a way to chase the evil spirits away. Isn't that where wind chimes come from? Yeah, I think so. I've heard that. Another tradition was touching trees, both in prayer and in giving thanks. So genuine gratitude reflected back to the perceived source of the good luck might feel like one way to keep the good luck coming. Yeah. Uh, The last potential origin I found, uh, which I think is probably less an origin, more like an evolution, is a children's book published in 1891 titled The Boy's Modern Playmate. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, which includes uh, it has instructions for a game called Tig Touchwood. The Tig is it, and other players run between several trees that are designated in the game, trying not to be touched. And the trees are like a safe space or a base, yeah. and so you are safe when you're touching the trees. Okay, and I'm like, huh, that's nice. That actually sounds like a kind of fun game. I know. I'm like, oh, reading about shit like this always makes me want to like go hug trees again. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I do feel safe when I'm touching a tree. <laughs> I don't know, um, this kind of makes me want to play Tunnel Tag and Red Rover and Murder fair, in the Dark. That's fair. All those kinds of, like, uh, Freeze Tag. Yeah, oh, that was a good one. Was it Cartoon Freeze Tag? Did you ever play Cartoon Freeze Tag? I did not play Cartoon Freeze Tag. I don't remember the rules for that. I wish I did. I feel like you had to say the name of cartoon character. I don't, I don't, yeah. We Someone to- knows about Cartoon Freeze Tag, Felissa. We used to play Murder in the Dark at the uh, public park next to my dad's old house, and they had this bridge at us. The bridge was always base, mm. and we played in the middle of the night when the park was closed. So there were no lights on. Creepy. And so, you know, the Murder in the Dark is like pretty much one person's the killer, and when you're tagged, you're dead, mm-hmm. and like you have to run back to the base. And we would play in rounds until there was only one person left. My favorite, my favorite time I've ever played this game, Murder in the Dark, mm-hmm. was in youth group. <laughs> And like, it was like my first year in youth group, first year of middle school, so like seventh grade, 12 or 13 years old. And this girl that I idolized, Brandon, she was a girl named Brandon, so wrap your mind around that. Well, I'm a girl named Alex, so I mean, I have- Mind blown. My name, I have two boy names as my name, Alex Brennan. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was hella cool. And she had like a sprained ankle or some shit, and she was the killer, and the way she- killed people was she would fake that she fell or injured herself or was hurting and someone would come over to help her and she would oh, kill them. Yeah. That's clever. It was one of the most diabolical things I've ever seen and only led to me idolizing her more. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I want to be just like you. This uh, is how I weirdo. would win the Hunger Games. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so another thing that we do is uh, carry and believe in picking up and finding good luck talismans. Like four-leaf clovers? And what and Lucky else? pennies? And? I don't remember. Rabbit's feet. Uh, do we just like pick up random rabbit's feet or do we just buy them? There's a whole thing with the rabbit's feet. I'm going to save that for the last on these talismans because it is a whole thing. <laughs> All right. Tell me about the others. Find a penny, pick it up. Then all day you'll have good luck. Does the side of the penny matter? Did you ever hear that the side mattered? I heard you want the face side, because that's the lucky side. Same. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea why, but makes sense. We, we tend to split things into good and bad. One yeah. or the other. Very dualist thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I remember that. Uh, the 13 Common But Silly Superstitions article mentions that the little penny rhyme originated with a pin instead of a penny. 
Oh, find a pen, pick it up. Mm-hmm. And that also, I think, makes sense, because probably there was a time when there, like, weren't pennies or when pins were more plentiful, and I don't know. Yeah. That makes sense. I could see how that would um, evolve. Well, There's also a, a back half to that one. Uh, see a pin, pick it up, all day long, you'll have good luck. See a pin, let it lay, and your luck will pass away. So it's also like, don't let that pin lay there, because you're going to fucking step on it and hurt yourself. That makes sense. <laughs> that just sounds like good advice. Like a lot of these are like, yeah, that made sense at one point. When it comes to pennies, um, isn't copper like really uh, connected to like the fae and fairies? Because like, fairy rings in uh, like Ireland and parts of the UK... They'd be like old, like copper deposits, and they thought that like a lot of fairies would hang out there, and they called them fairy rings. That's so cool! I had no idea. I love that. Any any information on fairies, I'm always like excited about. Uh, the next the next one's got a little bit of fairy stuff too. Okay. <laughs> I learned that from lore, so you can thank Aaron Mankey, not me. I'm Aaron Mankey, and this, this is lore. <laughs> We're not Aaron Mankey. We just appreciate. We're him. not. Yeah, we do appreciate him. Right. Seriously, listen to lore. If you like this podcast, you will love it. But don't compare us. Uh, carrying a four-leaf clover is good luck. I remember being a kid and eating clover. <laughs> Have you ever eaten clover? I've never eaten clover. I learned it was edible from my Aunt Tara, who is one of our listeners, so shout out to you, Aunt Tara. Hi, Aunt Tara. I remember us talking about it and her, like, being like, you can eat it, and, like, it's sour. <laughs> I didn't hate it, because I also always have loved sour stuff. Okay. Um, and they won't hurt you, so I think that's lucky. <laughs> okay, well, now when I see a clover laying on the ground, I'm gonna be like, food! <laughs> be like, probably a dog peed on this. <laughs> probably one of my dogs peed on it. <laughs> Very possibly. <laughs> uh, I learned that four-leaf clovers actually occur uh, once in every 10,000 three-leaf clovers. So it's like a relatively kind of predictable rate. Mm -hmm. And if you see one, you should definitely look for more around where you found it. Because a plant that produces one four-leaf clover is much more likely than other plants oh. to produce that. I read that there's like a certain amount of like uh, gene suppression that happens. Okay. That results in that anomaly. Adds up to what I, the limited well, things that, that I know about genetics. Well, that would make sense that mutations would follow certain families of trees, just like within animals. Exactly, yeah. So I thought that made perfect sense. Um, I also learned that a shamrock is a clover with three leaves, not four. Okay. Which I definitely didn't know. Um, sorry, Irish ancestors. Uh, ideas about four-leaf clovers uh, trace back to our ideas about creation and have spread and evolved from there. I had never heard this one. Have you ever heard about Eve plucking a four-leaf clover as she was leaving the Garden of Eden? I have not. That sounds like very Lot's wife turning back and turning into a pillar of salt shit to me. Yeah. Hella forbidden, I think. <laughs> I would, you got you were kicked out of the Garden of Eden for a reason. Maybe don't, like, steal a consolation prize on the way out. <laughs> right? So supposedly uh, she plucked one on her way out as a souvenir. I wanted to see if you'd heard that because I thought, well, maybe it's in the Apocrypha. Yeah. I don't know what's in there. Uh, you know, I've, I've heard so many stories related to the Garden of Eden that are in the Bible. For example, uh, the origins of Lilith and how she was the one who actually married Cain after he was thrown out because they were so that he found another woman to marry. Mm -hmm. Even stories about how Lilith Lilith uh, turned Cain into the first vampire, or how she was the first witch. I know all these stories. I would I've love to do a Lilith episode. Oh my god. There will be a Lilith episode. Yes. There needs to be oh a my Lilith god. episode. You definitely know more about that, but everything I've ever heard, I've been like, yes. Yes, <laughs> queen. <laughs> she um, was like, uh, no, Adam, we equals. Don't be a dick. Whew. Get it. <laughs> uh, ancient Celtic people carried four-leaf clovers for luck. And that evolved into a belief that four-leaf clovers would give you the ability to spot and avoid fairies and their impish tricks. 
fairies again. Right? They're they're back. I told you fairies are big in that area. Uh, so related to that, in ancient Cornwall, west of England, people believed that pixies could steal your child. And Changelings! Leave a changeling in their place. The only way to get your actual child back would be to lay a four-leaf clover on the changeling. Oh. How does that work, though? Does, like, the changeling, like, melting your child knock on the door? Or does it turn the changeling back into your child? I tried to play that out in my head, too. And the best I could come up with, just <laughs> in my own imagination of my heart, was uh, while they were sleeping. Because it's probably your kid, and probably you have, like... A bedtime. Okay. So, like, when they go to sleep, I would just, like, lay it on my kid and be like, okay. And maybe, like, my real kid will come out of the bedroom in the morning. Or, like, tuck it into their shirt or something and be like, no, sleep with this. And yeah. It'll be, you'll be you in the morning. Yeah. I won't have to murder you or whatever we did to perceive changelings. Uh, burn them, kill them, all yeah. sorts of stuff. So, um. There's actually a great episode of lore of both the TV show and the podcast about uh, a woman who was killed by her husband because he thought she was a fairy. Whew. Like, anything could be taken to an extreme and become what seems like a mental illness, right? Uh, Carrying a rabbit's foot is considered good luck. I mean, not for the rabbit. Probably not. Uh, There are actually so many ideas associated with rabbits in different cultures. I had no idea how, like, significant rabbits have been to so many people. Uh, I read an article, Why is the rabbit's foot considered a good luck charm? by Dan Nosowitz. And he stated that both ancient and Aztec cultures noticed spots on the moon that look like rabbits. So rabbits have been associated with the moon. I, yeah, I've seen the, the rabbit in the moon. I usually see the man in the moon when I look at it, but you can see the rabbit. Um, I see the moon in the moon when I look at the moon. So You never uh, see the smiley face? You never see the man in the moon? Uh, uh-uh. I, have, I feel like I have decent gestalt for faces, but I've never seen like any of the stuff in the moon that I'm supposed to see. I'll, we'll put some pictures online. We can see the day moon right now as we're talking about this. Oh, okay. That's a crescent moon. I can't show you shit on that. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't telling you to show me. I was just saying topical. I also almost fell out of my chair. <laughs> <laughs> How's that drink treating you? <laughs> it's real good. So I like it a lot. You tell me secrets. Uh So the moon is associated with women and fertility. Uh, in China, uh, because rabbits procreate so prolifically, they became associated with fertility. So... Yeah, that, that's a big one. And, like, that's considered good luck for a lot of people, I think. Fucking yeah. Um, so, however, uh, the way that rabbits' feet came to be known in the U.S. is from the millions of kidnapped African people who were treated as property and sold as slaves here. <sighs> so, um, in some West African cultures, rabbits were considered wily and evasive, sometimes even capable of exacting revenge on powerful authority figures. And this sounds like some money python shit. Right? Uh, The story of Br'er Rabbit, uh, thought to originate in West Africa, tells of a rabbit who tricks a fox into freeing him. And the foxes are supposed to be, like, the wiliest. But the rabbit tricks the fox into giving him his freedom. Well, now this sounds like some Zootopia shit. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, it's understandable thinking, trying to imagine this context that forced into captivity and backbreaking, heart-crushing labor... Mm -hmm enslaved African people would revere a creature capable of escape. Yeah, outsmarting a captor, outsmarting a creature that could free it. And possibly even exacting revenge on yeah. the captor. I'm like, this, this is all very... This seems like something that they identify with. Yeah, human and relatable. Um, so that's kind of how that this belief about rabbits came to the United States. Okay. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. Um, this like idea that they're lucky and they can escape. 
So one really fascinating aspect of the luck attack attached to rabbit's feet is a sort of like reverse bad luck process. <laughs> so the process of capturing the rabbit's foot should be filled with as many bad luck elements as possible. Okay. So. Use black dogs to hunt it down. <laughs> right. Ooh, that's a good one. I like it. We gotta add that. And so what I read is for maximum luck, the person capturing the rabbit should have red hair, crossed eyes, and be left-handed. Which are all terrible luck. I'm like, well, yeah, if you have crossed eyes, probably have, like, some vision impairment. Yeah. That's um, probably not good for you either. Ideally, uh, the rabbit's foot should be captured in a cemetery on the grave of a particularly bad person, like a murderer or a thief. I'm like, murderer and a thief. I'm like, why are we stealing here? I want to break down the taking of property versus the taking of life. <laughs> but that's what was in my research. Um, at night, under a full moon, on Friday the 13th. <laughs> All right, so just on Friday the 13th, if you see a bunch of gingers hanging out in the graveyard, now you know what they're up to. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And also, like, go over and give them some guidance. They're probably stumbling around with cross-eyed things. (laughs) This poor gin cemetery. Um, So uh, the choice of foot makes a difference. The four rabbits' feet, which would be the least lucky? Probably the back left foot. Exactly right. In a lot of folklore, the right side is the right side is the good side. And the left side is considered uh, cursed or sinister. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the word sinister originally meant like to the left side. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Um, Yeah, I heard that a few times actually. Uh, Additionally, the rear would be more sinister than the front because up front and the front is good and the back is bad. The front of the penny is good. The back of the penny is closer to the butthole. (laughs) Buttholes. Um, (laughs) Comes back to buttholes, really. (laughs) Always does. Uh, The idea is that if a person survived all of these bad luck trials of getting this rabbit's foot, then that would be a hella lucky rabbit's foot. Um, it should be noted that most rabbit's feet that you can find for sale now are artificial replicas because we as a culture have at least come so far as to be like, hey, maybe like killing rabbits for their feet is a wasteful and horrifying thing for us to do. I kind of assumed those were all fake. Yeah, so um, I'm reassured by that. Yeah, here's a fuzzy little tribble remain from Star Trek the original series. <laughs> you know, the trouble with dribble. <laughs> There have been some trials and tribulations. So this is uh, related, to, this is the, the last uh, g- good luck thing, and it's related to the one that we just talked about. Do you know what you can say on the first day of the month to have good luck? No. So it's supposed to be, you wake up and the first thing out of your mouth is rabbit rabbit. Rabbit rabbit? Or white rabbit, if you live in the UK. See, usually in my case, it's, God damn it, Sky, get off my pillow. <laughs> yeah, uh, turns out that's not a magical incantation and does you no good beyond getting Sky off your pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, then I have to kind of shove her. <laughs> right, yeah, so it doesn't she, do She's kind of a diva. Uh, so this practice uh, likely originated in early 1900s UK, where they say white rabbit. Uh, the CNN.com article that I found talking about this actually acknowledged where I first learned about this practice, which is going to give everyone a little flashback. It was Nickelodeon, and they would do these little, like, fun facts, like, at the bottom of the screen, I think, like, mm. or, like, in transitions, and they just, like, tell you things. And I remember learning that, like, the rabbit rabbit thing, and it would be, like, on the last day of a month, they'd tell you. And so then you'd, like, try to remember to, like, wake up the next day and say it. And I'd always try to remember to wake up and say it, and I never did. And I'm sure that's why I'm cursed. My God. Well, I have only one thing to say to you. 
Nick, 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 Nick. Nickelodeon. Uh, so, in conclusion, may the odds be ever in your favor. <laughs> Another Hunger Games reference. I didn't even plan the one you made, so good job. You really set me up. Uh, as always, our sources will be posted on the episode's page on our website, crackpotcocktailhour.com. I'd like to give special thanks to Lori Dove and Deborah Ronka at HowStuffWorks.com because I referenced several of their articles about specific superstitions. Uh, is there anything you'd like to add? As far as superstitions, no, I think you really got it covered. Uh, I did kind of dig deep because I got excited. This was a fun yeah, one. Yeah, this to was do. a really fun, especially after uh, Halloween. Oh, do we want to tell the listeners how apparently you are an expert fortune teller? Oh my goodness. So uh, last October, yeah. we went and saw My Favorite Murder live in Vancouver because the Seattle show was sold out. So and it was amazing. I'm so glad we did it. It was like a fun girls' weekend trip, us and two other friends. And uh, Kendall, you know her from the A. Eileen's episode. And her sister Courtney. And her sister Courtney. And uh, I had been practicing tarot and still like memorizing like the meanings of the cards and trying to like come up with my own personal relationship to them. And so I had like some reference materials I still needed to work with and I'm still very much learning. Uh, but I did tarot readings for each of the three of my friends. Yep. And uh, turns out I'm three for three. All and... three came true. Because <laughs> we were talking at the Halloween party last weekend at Alex's and everyone was telling me how what I said came true. Yeah. So, um, spooky. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird, but kind of cool. Um, and kind of confirmation biasy. <laughs> <laughs> also, you, you reminded me because I had a, the tarot reader at the Halloween party. Mm-hmm. I still haven't done my hour-long reading with her, so I still need to email her back and set that up. She was so nice. <sighs> she had such a good vibe. I gave my best elevator pitch for this podcast to her. I've never given anyone a good one, and I like it came out of me like it's never come out before, and she goes, that was an amazing elevator pitch. She did actually say that. Like right When it came out of the kitchen, I heard her saying that. Um, actually, when uh, we settled on the invoice and she emailed me afterwards, she asked me to send her the name of the podcast because she didn't get a chance to write it down and she wanted to listen to it. Uh, the guy at Total Wine yesterday when I was buying the uh, Calvados uh, for this episode was like, well, do you have any fun plans for tonight? And it was Halloween. And I was like, I am mostly going to be getting a cocktail together for my podcast. So I got to tell him about that. And I was leaving. He's go- he goes, crock pot. And I go, no, crack pot. <laughs> <laughs> Not crock pot. It's all about making foods while you're at work <laughs> that sit in your kitchen for eight hours. Right. So, um... Yeah, uh, that's this episode. Uh, you can like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Oh, Pinterest. you don't need to say that now. We have an outro for that. Oh, we do? You're right. Huzzah! All right, well, um, you can fuck right off, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll eventually think of a good sign-off other than stay cracked and cheers. Cheers! Cheers! There's some things, though, I know for certain. Always throw spilled salt over your left shoulder. Keep rosemary by your garden gate. Plant lavender for luck. And fall in love whenever you can. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, rate, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening to it. It really helps us out and allows us to provide more content for you. You can also follow us on Twitter. We're at Crackpot Hour. On Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, we're Crackpot Cocktail Hour. And our website is crackpotcocktailhour.com, where you can find our sources for every episode, pictures, and you can email us from there if you'd like as well. Or you can email us crackpotcocktailhour at gmail.com.